0: You're listening to Conversations of Inspiration with Ben Moore and Scott Gunn on the EXP podcast. The show that brings you expert insights from those who have had an exponential impact on their industries. They say that success leaves footprints. So take a walk with us as we explore all things growth, business and mindset every Monday from 7 a.m. Sit back, relax and enjoy today's show. Oh, yeah, okay. three, two, one. Hello, mate.
1: Uh, ben, how you doing?
0: Yeah, really good, mate. Really good. How about you?
1: Yeah, good, man. Yeah, just made a nice coffee. I need it.
0: Well, mate, I'm I'm not even exaggerating, maybe four coffees deep so far. So I've got the scrags of a coffee left in my cup, but I've also got a couple of litres of water. So going to use that to get me through the podcast today instead of caffeine for a change.
1: Well, you might need it because today's podcast I've been looking forward to because I'm gonna I'm gonna be interviewing you, aren't I? Yeah,
0: yeah, but like I'm kind of giggling to myself because it's the most Alan Partridge like thing to be interviewed on your own podcast, so it feels very uh, very awkward. But you've got this to come shortly, mate. So I look forward to turning the tables. But yeah, mate, looking forward to having a chat with you. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, no, me too. Because I know you know we we, I know we've talked all the time, but it's so sort of everything's so anecdotal and. You know, I know bits about like your background and your career and stuff. and uh, but I probably know, I actually probably know more about you personally than I do that stuff, really, because when you and I catch up, we're normally just having normal chats and very much sort of exp centric um, But yeah, I'd just be, be interested to hear about your background, mate. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've probably got one step further than you, and I do have some outline list of questions. What <laughs> I'm suspecting will happen is I will ask you the first one, and then we'll end up on such a tangent that the <laughs> following ones I never get to.
0: But, uh... Probably, mate. That, that's yeah, why I've, I've I've just given up making notes for any podcast now because it just goes in all sorts of different directions, doesn't it? So you are yeah, definitely more organised than me, mate. I appreciate you having a structure. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> I
1: am, mate, but I'm, I'm not Parkinson, and I've got no idea how to construct an interview, but we'll see how we get on.
0: Well, um... it's a good job for you that I'm really interested.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's certainly... <laughs> Certainly going to make it easier, Ben. Let's see if everybody agrees. Um, No pressure. So, look, right. First thing, first question I've written down on my little clipboard I've got here. Um, Did you choose a state agency, Ben, or did you fall into it?
0: Mate, totally fell into it. Like it wasn't some master plan. I mean, you know, you speak to some agents or you hear some stories and you read some things on social media where people have got this deep rooted desire to change the industry because you know 18 years ago an agent jumped in front of them at the queue at Costa Coffee and from that point they wanted to change their customers perceptions of what an agent was and they've just gone on this lifelong mission to transform the industry but um, no I I wish I could say the same but for me mate I I I wasn't planning or wanting to work in property in any way shape or form Um, All my background was in sport and health and fitness and then yeah I just got out of university, realized there was no money in that space, jumped onto Google, looked for a graduate um, sales role because I had some prior sales experience and literally the first thing that came up on Google was a PPC advert by an estate agent based in Manchester and uh, I clicked on that advert and the the rest is history. How are you on the spot? Yeah, well, it was like an apprentice role, so it was hard not to. I was basically a glorified tea maker, but it was a foot in the door. And, um, yeah, it got me in the right environment. So I've just kind of built from there, really. But, yeah, to- totally by accident, mate. Um, that could have been anything that was top of Google PPC, and I probably would have applied for it because at that point I was living with my mum. And, um, you know, I love my mum to bits, but after a spell at university of having my own freedom, you know, me and my mum clashing over Dirty socks on the floor was not the way that I wanted to go into my twenties.
1: <laughs> well, then she shouldn't have left the dirty socks on the floor. Then,
0: <laughs> exactly not? that. That's what I was saying.
1: Tidy up after herself. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? What do you do? You remember your first day? Like um, if, if Ben, if you could maybe sip water, <laughs> or do you need longer questions? So you can have a <laughs> swig of your water. Right?
0: I know. I kind of net that back like a shot of tequila, then, didn't I? Um, yeah. Yeah. So. The company that I worked, I was really lucky, to be fair, mate. So the company that I worked with, they was like, there an independent agency, privately owned, um, but they were rapidly expanding. And I mean rapidly, like they was making... So
1: just, I didn't even ask you who that was, such as my poor ability to dig into important information. So um, the company was that's Express Estate Agency, right? Is that what it was called?
0: Express, that that right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, Express Estate Agency. So they were... Um, okay what what we'd refer to today as like a hybrid setup so they had like a one central hub if you like an office where all the central staff were based and then they had agents out in the field who were obviously customer facing and doing uh, doing the valuations and so on so i was based at head office so for me mate it was just like uh, like a real melting pot of collaboration really like I, I walked into the office obviously knowing nothing about agency i remember for my interview like i literally remember going on google and i was writing down notes of what a chain was and the difference between a freehold and a leasehold like real sort of basic stuff so i could display some sort of proficiency um, but i remember going in on day one and, and the team there were genuinely so helpful there was a really good uh, culture, a good community. And it was kind of like whatever issue you had, there'd be someone there who had more time served, who could kind of point you in the right direction. So um, obviously, I didn't walk into it viewing it this way. Um, it was just a busy office to me. But then as time went on, and as I started to learn and grow and progress and, and get promoted, um, I just felt as though that environment was really good. It was almost like a crash course, really, in the industry, um, because it was so fast paced. I learned so much in such a short period of time, which I genuinely don't think I would have got from many. The companies so yeah it was a blessing
1: so how did because i I remember express and i remember mystery shopping express actually on behalf of a a company that i worked for years ago when their boards sprung up in our area um so they were they were hybrid in the sense that they they didn't have high street offices right but from what i recall they they were charging not only a full fee but it was quite a bloody generous fee wasn't it
0: yeah yeah no it was i mean the, the whole business was built like on the premise that they fill in the gaps that the consumer feels are missing with traditional agency. So we all know the pain points that customers have, right? You know, it takes a long time to agree a sale, calls aren't given back. There's no one dedicated point of contact. Um and they just kind of tried to position themselves as this uh, medicine, almost to that problem. So they'd say, look, you know, we give you calls and updates every seven days as standard. You've got an account manager, one person that you'll be dealing with. Um, we give you unrivaled exposure, like at a time really when agents would maybe not be on the portals or they pick and choose which one or two they was going to be on. They broadcasted yeah. the fact that, you know, they gave kind of full market exposure from a portal standpoint. Um, and they only dealt with qualified buyers, which I know a lot of agents do these days, especially, with what's been going on with covid but we were dealing with with customers who seem to really value the fact that any buyer was pre-qualified mortgage promises yeah. were in you know sales were complete and funds were cleared so the customer just felt as though they was going to get a more streamlined service and this kind of comes back to the point that me and you make quite frequently that fee is only an issue if you let it be an issue or if you fail to demonstrate value and yeah. one thing that express got really good at was identifying the consumer that they solve the problem for and how to best position themselves and their marketing and their sales pitch if you like and um, to identify and resonate with a person that they was trying to look after and they got really 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 good at that and then successfully managed to scale that up across the country and um, and as a result you know the business just kind of moved very fluently it just doubled and tripled and quadrupled kind of year on year
1: I, I remember phoning a mate and um I remember saying what's your fee and it was something like two percent and and part of my mystery shot was to find out what they were charging but it was also to see if they were pushovers right so it was to say well I've got a listing it's going on at the right price you know we you do one point five percent and I just remember being shocked with the answer of, no we won't yeah and I, I I was so impressed with it to be honest with you I thought that's a really that's cool like that's a strong way to deal with the fee situation really really um, strong
0: mate and, and just, sorry to interrupt me but that 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 was kind of the eye opener for me really because obviously I had no agency experience before that so I had no understanding of how it was conventionally done this was all I knew but they educated me on the fact that the way that we do it is not normal like this isn't industry standard um so I had an awareness and almost viewed the way that we worked is trailblazing and sort of setting a standard that we're worth this value. This is why, and we're not going to budge from it. And they were very, very, very strong on the commissions that they set. They knew they weren't the cheapest, but it was kind of unapologetically. So, because, you know, if you see the value in what we do, then you'll pay the fee and we'll get you the result. And we all win at the end of it. If not, if we don't think we can help or vice versa, if you don't see the value, that's okay. We wish you the best of luck and, and onwards we go. Um, and that very much was kind of the precedent that they set to. And, and I don't know, maybe that's kind of served me well in later life. In terms of me standing strong on my commissions when I've eventually gone to set up my own businesses, and you know, trying to find the right customer and refine my messaging through the marketing, and um, I think maybe I picked up some subliminal messages from that experience that I probably stayed with me since. So yeah, like I say, really good induction to the industry, a bit of a crash course. I learned so much in a relatively short period of time, and because they were progressing and developing so quick, obviously that meant that I could rise through the ranks again, maybe quicker than what I would have done in in most other companies. So yeah, really good yeah. experience.
1: Well, I mean, was was there anything about a state agency, I mean, particularly you are working in a rather unusual environment then, maybe less so now, that kind of setup is a little bit more, more common now, but um, was there anything about a state agency that, that surprised you and wasn't what you expected?
0: I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest, and I kind of... Um just fell into it. Like I say, by default, rather than by design, you know, it was just kind of a means to an end, had a commission structure, a fairly decent basic salary versus what I would have been getting if I stayed on the fitness path. So I was just quite happy to get what I could, but then when I sort of stepped into it, um, I remember going to an opening presentation where they were sort of explaining a bit about the model and the industry and the plans and the previous growth and where they were taking things moving forward. And that was my first ever sort of a business presentation, if you like. So it's a guy called Chris, who's kind of the, you know, the founder and the CEO of Express Estate Agency. And, um, really inspirational guy bit of a trailblazer been very 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 successful he spoke and carried himself really really well and I remember coming out of university I had sales experience from you know when I was at uni I used to sell broadband and and go door to door selling telecoms um to pay for the tequila and baked beans to see me through that three year period. So I had some sales experience, but certainly no business experience. I'd never um, been privy to any time spent with a business leader or someone who was that inspirational. I remember walking out and thinking, wow, like this is where I want to be. Like this seems like a great company. And um, that kind of really carried through. And then when I got in there, I was surprised by how quick paced it was and um, by how I kind of felt like it was all on the same mission. And I guess that's a lesson for any you know, any business owner anywhere, really, that they managed to kind of cultivate this um us together on a movement type um, dynamic, I guess, in the business, which I think really sort of paid through into performance. And,
1: and did, so by charging that high fee, were you guys good at pitching a high fee and getting people to sign up? Or did you, would you say that the company then earned that fee by backing up? their claim in order to get the high fee in the first place
0: a bit i mean looking back in hindsight now i think i mean my perceptions uh, have completely changed of the industry and what makes a good agent and a good um sort of product i guess if you like to the customer over those years and you know rightly so i mean if you've got the same opinions and the same uh, outlook as you did 10 years ago then you've probably not done a whole lot of growing so looking back looking back in hindsight um, I definitely see holes. I don't think the marketing was particularly great. There wasn't a great deal of care at that stage that went into things like photography. Floor plans weren't commonplace. The descriptions were a bit, you know, slapdash. There was no narrative, no thought, no care that went into the write-up. All these things now that I think are super, super, super important to almost um, market any property in an endearing way that's likely to, you know, attract the right audience and hopefully, as a result, get the right price. But You know, I was at a different point in my career, the industry was in a different place, and they were kind of plugging the gaps, more so of service, contactability, proactivity on pricing and marketing in terms of broadening the exposure, filling a lot of gaps at that point that agencies weren't filling. So for the time that it was, like you said a few minutes ago, that particular model wasn't really commonplace. In its day, it was quite pioneering today i see gaps and lots of rooms for improvement because the industry's changed and because i've changed but back then um yeah it felt like a good service
1: well in fairness fairness, we'll see gaps in what you and i are doing right now won't we in in probably as little as 18 months time with the rate that we're growing it's um it's just the nature of of business isn't it and continuous improvement i think
0: it really is mate and that's um you know that's a good thing about the industry i guess it's evolving it's developing it's changing you know all the time you know hopefully for the better um and yeah like i, I kind of jumped on ship at you know the kind of peak of you know sort of the internet boom i guess and you know sort of doing you know sort of more internet marketing and, and all that kind of stuff whereas before i think a lot of agents were still fairly traditional in the mindset um yeah.
1: well then so you were there for a fair amount of time really weren't you for for what was your first role and and and, and that type of position you were there for a couple of years and then and then looking at your uh, LinkedIn, mate, you then, you set up your own thing, right?
0: Yeah, fairly quickly, to be honest. So I had, um, I was there for, God, don't quote me on the dates, I don't know, maybe a couple of years, not a massive amount of time, but, you know, long enough to kind of learn the ropes and, and find my feet and build a bit of confidence. Um, I left there, so I started off as like um like I say, like a, an office body, really. It was like an apprentice-type role. So I'm making tea and coffee, dealing with admin, shuffling through new inquiries, managing paperwork, um, all that kind of stuff. Then I went to a negotiator. Uh, then a senior negotiator which effectively meant I had a massive portfolio at one stage like absolutely enormous and then I was working as almost like an assistant um, office manager then I moved over to a company that were basically trying to do a similar sort of model on the other side of Manchester Um, but they was very much in the startup phase so they you know hadn't sold a house yet they was building the structure they was fairly well funded they had vision they knew what they wanted to do and their approach to business was just simply you know let's just throw a few quid at it and let Ben work it out so I worked in a very very small office with two really funny guys actually they were good people looking back I I did enjoy my time working with them but um I had to figure a lot of stuff out for myself and because the business was so small and so early stage I kind of got to learn a different side of the industry so when I was at express it was like you know learning about The customer experience, learning how to position, how to sell, how to price properties right, how to um, understand the CRM, how to work on the front line, if you will. Whereas when I went to this second venture, it was almost like I was learning the business side of agency. So I got to see things like social media. I got to understand the conversions, uh, how to make B2B relationships. I got a bit of an idea of customer acquisition costs. Um, I got to do everything from valuing a property to doing the negotiation to handling progression to sitting in on interviews, looking through CVs, You know, taking more of a holistic view of what a business looks like, whereas with yeah. Express as great as it was I was obviously a small cog in a big machine whereas at the second company I was a much bigger cog in a smaller machine if you like so that that paved really well and that was kind of where I started to sow the seeds to think do you know what I could probably do this for myself because I started to see how things were done and I started to see how relationships were formed I started to understand a macro look of what it looked like to run an agency and that just gave me a bit of confidence probably quite you know, naively looking back, I wasn't in any way qualified or well-funded enough to start my own business. But nonetheless, I built the confidence. I was naive enough to take the chance and roll the dice and think it could work. And yeah, I spent a bit of time there. And, and soon enough, I started my first business, which was Sell Simply Estate Agency, which yeah. again, it was it was a home-based business. You know, I, I lived in a one-bed flat at the time run the business from my kitchen and um, literally sat at the uh, kitchen table, just cold calling a spreadsheet um, of, of people trying to get my name out there and, and trying to convince anyone that would to do business with me. So that was my first experience of kind of learning the business lessons, I guess, and then applying that to my own sort of projects. And, and I mean, how did that go? Really good, but really lucky as well. I was, so yeah. I didn't have, I mean, again, you've got to bear in mind, you know, at the time i thought what i was doing was quite pioneering but probably not by today's standards and i under um, i i, um, I underestimated the structural cost of running a business so yeah. you know everything down to Building a website, the tech support, the hosting, your portal costs, your CRM costs, your fuel going back and forth to appointments, um, you know, it all kind of mounts up. And the cost very quickly became high. Uh, and I started off with a very, very, very limited budget, as I did with EXP. But obviously the benefits of EXP is that I've not got the liabilities and, and the outgoings from a financial yeah. standpoint, whereas back then I did. Um so a long story short what i basically did is i found an opportunity to i approached a, a big a company that were generating leads at volume and their business was to buy properties for cash so they'd offer a below market value offer yeah. um, for a customer that was in a situation where for whatever reason time scales were more important than figures um, and yeah. they, they, they'd buy maybe roughly one in a hundred one in 150 properties which meant there was a surplus of let's just say 99 leads for every conversion of customers that didn't fit the profile of their clients so they couldn't offer a service for and these people were just sat in a database effectively doing nothing like the you know they, they established that there wasn't enough equity or their motivation wasn't high enough so they couldn't do a deal so I kind of just suggested well if you've got all these customers that you're not being able to help and offer a service or a solution for and therefore you're not profiting from why don't i call these people and introduce my agency service and i'll kind of introduce myself as ben the estate agent and i'll try and upsell to an open market solution and and see if we can get them a price more in keeping with what they need and they said okay yep sounds fair you know you might as well the data is sat there doing nothing we'll work out some sort of a split on the back end so suddenly i went from very under um under equipped, under financed with not a lot to do, not a lot of inquiries or money to generate inquiries to having thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of leads and having more data than I knew what to do with. Um, So the business was a success, but it was a success because I coined that relationship and managed to get the right person at the right time, with the right offering that appealed to those guys, which, you know, in turn allowed me to build my business much quicker than what I would have without them, I think.
1: Well, yeah, I'm not sure I see as much luck in that as as you do. I think you you took a chance and put yourself in a position to be able to um, to be able to enjoy any touches you got, and came up with a what sounds like a really very very good idea, mate. So uh,
0: yeah, I'll uh, I mean, I mean give you credit for that. I appreciate that, mate. But I mean, I guess you know, g- good luck's just um, like like most things, it's a, it's a numbers game, it's a probability game. You know, the more opportunities you expose yourself to the more you'll get it wrong and the more you'll have setbacks, but also the more wins you'll get as well. So that was definitely, um, definitely a massive win, mate, and, and definitely helped put wind in the sails. So yeah, I feel, I yeah. feel quite fortunate for that.
1: Yeah. No, I understand that. And, and, and so, so, so how did that sort of conclude? How did, um, cause I know your next step. So what happened at the end of that? Did you, did you sell up? Did you shut it down? What happened?
0: Yeah. So mate, that, that was a hell of a journey. So, um, like I, I know it sounds dead corny, but I learned a lot about myself really and gained a lot of confidence in my own abilities through that process. So um, without going into intricate detail uh, in terms of the ins and the outs, what effectively happened was we continued this partnership and we was working together. They were supplying leads. I was fulfilling the sales side of things and um, converting the business. And then we was doing a split on the back end on, on completion. Um, it got to a point where they could see actually, mate, this is really working. We can see that this could get really interesting. Let's have a conversation, come down to London. You know, effectively what it boiled down to when all was said and done was, we want to work with you. We want to go into business and you can have a smaller piece of a bigger pie. Or if you don't fancy that, we're not going to hold it against you. But we do see that this works. So we're just going to do it without you. And we'll bring somebody in to fulfill the telesales and we'll part ways here. So I had a decision to make at that point as to whether or not I wanted to go into partnership with someone and have a, like I say, a smaller piece of a bigger pie or whether or not I wanted to stay up north and, and just kind of do things um, completely independently. And uh, I was working along well with the guys at that point. You know, it was a mutually beneficial relationship. I was earning more money than I'd ever earned in my working life up until that point. And, uh, you know, the prospect of moving to London just felt like a nice new adventure So it was was a bit scary, but again, you know, you've got to expose yourself to opportunities, to learn and to grow and to develop and progress. So I just decided to bite the bullet and um, relocate my life down to London. Um, We had an office in Battersea. I had an apartment not far away. And uh, yeah, mate, we we, we went there and we built a structure, we got an office, we built a team out, we we recruited people. Um, I had a couple of people working with me up north before the transition. So um, like ex, uh, a couple of friends, um, to be honest, that kind of jumped on board. One of them just kind of offered to work commission only. He was like, look, mate, I'm I'm planning to go to Australia um, in a few months you know, pay me on every appointment that I book or every sale that I agree, and we'll just work commission only. And it kind of turned out that the two guys that I was working with, one jumped on board and kind of became an office manager and helped us grow a structure. And he relocated his life down to London as well. My other mate, Jay, um, he came in as a, a minority shareholder because he was working for free. So I incentivized him with shares. And again, he helped pioneer that growth. So these two people got behind me and what i was doing they shared my vision and not only did they share that vision they brought their partners and relocated their entire lives to the other side of the country to help me oh. build this business which was you know amazing and kind of looking back now like i'm, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that they showed that confidence in me and then um, you know i was able to kind of move like a, a mini business if you like and implement that and plug that into a brand new office in in, in london where i'd never even been before so yeah it was a hell of a, an adventure but one that I'm, you know, I, I got a lot of growth from. Uh, and when we moved down to London, we continued to build and progress. But um, I became unhappy, mate, and and that's that that that's kind of the real lesson that I'd say I took from this. Um, I got unhappy not in the sense that I wasn't earning good money or that I hated the people that I worked with because everyone was great. Um, I was earning again more money than I earned before, so on the face of it, there was not a lot to complain about. But you know, all my friends, my, my family, you know, everything that I held dear, my brothers were quite young at that stage, like everything was up north. And I just kind of felt like I wasn't in the place where I needed to be. I just I just didn't enjoy the experience of living in London. I think that tends to be quite common. People either love it and they want to stay there forever or people really don't like it and it's just a completely different lifestyle to what they've been used to and they want to get out and, and get somewhere else as quick as possible. And I was kind of in the latter camp. So I decided after a period of giving it a go, I was just kind of waking up and thinking, I'm not actually enjoying this because I don't like the way my life looks down here. And then um, yeah. I, I made a very bold decision and a very scary decision to walk away from what we'd built to walk away from the money I was making and just effectively start from scratch up north so that's yeah. exactly what I did you know we left on a handshake wished everybody well and then um, off I went back up to Manchester
1: back up to where it's three pound a pint and of seven pound <laughs> fifty a pint as well which I'm sure I'm sure you made the most of mate I, I'm the same with, honestly every time when I pull in at King's Cross station and uh, you come in through sort of like the underground and then you come to overground and you can see all those really cool like flats. Like there's those ones that are built in the water tower and stuff like that. I have the same thought in my head, which is I could have a bit of this. I would love this. And then I'm about an hour in to sitting on a tube and waiting half an hour for my... Beer and I think, yeah, no, I need to get back down to the coast where it all makes sense. I don't know about you, but I used to gravitate towards the Thames, you know, like, because <laughs> I'm from the coast, you live on the coast. I used to yeah, gravitate yeah. towards the Thames, like this psychological thing of needing to be by water, which is. I don't really know where that comes from, but really, really, every time <laughs> I have to just get towards the water and just walk along the Thames, I feel a bit happier. But
0: well, mate, our, our, of office was, our office was literally on the Thames. Like the, the window just used to overlook it. So it's a shame we didn't know each other back then. You probably would have been right at home in the office, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: it's probably super close to where I used to work. I used to work for a company called Waterview for a while, which um, they only sell houses on the river. So we'll look up that location because I bet, I bet it was, and that was in Battersea, so I bet that was within a stone's throw of you, which is just another sort of bizarre coincidence. Yeah,
0: but, um... it must have been, mate. I mean, we was literally a stone's throw away from like Battersea Dog's home and I kind of vaguely remember, obviously we're going back a few years now, but where we was positioned, it was like five minutes away from, there's like a Tesco Express like on the front and I don't know if you know that, but yeah, we, we couldn't have been too far away anyway, mate, but yes, yeah, a small world
1: it was probably it was probably a few years before you mate if we did it at similar ages which I know you like to bring up every now and then you're <laughs> oh, yeah, a younger true. man <laughs> um, i was only 19 at the time mate so when would that that's, yeah you're talking like 2002 2003 2002. so uh, yeah i was only I, 19 I, when i did that
0: bloody hell yeah geez yeah but yeah they they of...
1: the big smoke yeah yeah was you there for long no i didn't like it I just didn't like it I just didn't 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 fit in I didn't you know it's like when you work in London it's like everyone else in your office is it just feels like everyone's middle class went to boarding school they all know each other you know you get that it's just so weird it's like this I'm sure I'm sure it's super super cool if you're part of it but I just felt like a duck out of water the whole time.
0: Mate, how crazy is that? I had no idea that, I mean, that sounds like a very similar experience. We both relocated to kind of roll the dice and see how we found it. Both came to the same conclusions and then both ended up living on the coast and moving out of London. So, mate. Northwest and Southeast, yeah. Yeah, that's it. it, mate. That's it. That's it. Funny how it goes,
1: but yeah, and I, I took a lot from it. like say even just a few weeks, but um, yeah, uh, in many ways, probably like you. It's nice to have that experience because then you also appreciate more what, what you've got and what you do enjoy. And I think the same thing applies to people who move out of London. You know, they come down to where I live, probably like they do where you and some absolutely love it. And some relocate back half an hour later because they realize there's absolutely nothing to do where I live.
0: Yeah. And they don't yeah. like
1: that. Yeah. Um, I, I like only having a choice of three pubs. That's fine by me. I know where to find my mates. Yeah. Um, but most people <laughs> want a little bit more excitement in their lives. Um, I do because obviously look, I, I want to make sure that we cover um, you know EXP and your experiences here because like me I feel like I've done 20 years worth of experience in the last two years alone um, but I, I also don't want to miss out on talking about your time at Purple Bricks because I think that's 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 really relevant um, so I mean can you? what sort of made you did they approach you did you approach them how did that all come about mate
0: yeah so what um what basically happened so I kind of fast forward very quickly from that whole thing about moving out of London so I relocated back up north um back in my mum's house you know I was literally on a, on a bunk bed um with my little brother and my other brother was living on uh uh sleeping on a uh, like a mattress on the floor like it was horrendous she only lived in a small two-bedroom house so you know having me home putting the food bill up and whatnot w- was not ideal for anyone so I kind of got in this little Bit of my life where I wouldn't, I definitely, definitely, definitely wouldn't use the word depressed because I think that's a very strong word. And I, I, you know, thankfully I feel very lucky that I've never dealt with any kind of mental health issues or anything. But as far as being down and lost and a bit confused and unsure of what's next and a bit hopeless, that was probably one of the times where I felt the lowest because I just didn't see what the next step was going to be. I'd kind of gone from all this freedom, earning all this money, to suddenly, you know, being on the bottom bunk of a bunk bed with my little brother which was not ideal and and not great for um my headspace so i kind of did this and i was kind of toying around with you know where do we go next how am i gonna uh, move forward and it was just so random there was a guy um that i used to he was actually the cousin of one of my best friends growing up and he just kind of followed my journey through facebook i wasn't documenting things maybe the way that i do now but you know i sort of shared i'd set this business up i've moved to london and he kind of noticed that i'd moved back and at the time he just you know he was working in telesales for an online agent and uh, they were really struggling and long story short they just reached out and said listen ben Um, We can see you built a good business with Sell Simple. We can see you've got some valuable experience. We're really struggling operationally with our processes. Why don't you come up, consult for us, and we'll actually help contribute towards your running costs. We'll give you an office, a structure, a phone, a computer. We'll basically, you know, build a structure for you to start a new business from so you can get your teeth into a new project but stay up north and that was just like an unbelievable opportunity because just like with the yeah. first time around I just fell on my feet I had nothing like literally not a pot to pee in not even my own roof above my head and um, suddenly this company was like listen we'll cover all the structure for you and um, also asking advice in, in, in exchange is a bit of advice you know if we're doing something wrong or if the pitch is awful or we recruited the wrong team then please give us that guidance and feedback and, and we'd appreciate it so we had this like mutually beneficial relationship where again I got to strip out the cost of running a business and uh, yeah. you know that they got a good steer in the right direction from someone who was slightly more experienced so I set up uh, my second business and then um, you know m- m- my friend Ryan who was actually one of the earlier guys who helped me build my first business was also getting itchy feet in London and thinking Do you know what maybe I will move back up north so we kind of collaborated again we set up a company called Smart Move Property Group which was a business that we was very fortunate enough to work in together I brought him on as a share shareholder and we just built that business from the ground up together i had an absolute fucking blast scott like one of the best experiences of my life yeah really 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 good guy still one of my best friends to this day which can't always be said for friends who go into business so feel very grateful that we got to share that experience together and and make that money and, and go through that adventure but um ultimately what had happened was we got to a crossroads fast forward in a couple of years down the line where we built the business up we had a couple of staff and we just got to a point where Again, we were assessing our future. We got to an age where, you know, he was pretty serious with his partner. He wanted to buy a house, get on the property ladder, take out a mortgage. Um, I was similar, getting pretty serious with with Becky. And we was kind of talking about, I wonder how much we could get for this business. I wonder if we could exit. I wonder if we could sell it. And um, as we were having these conversations, Becky fell pregnant with Esme, obviously my little girl. And yeah. um, it was just like all the pieces fell into place and the universe was saying, look, you know, you're know, you talking about selling your business, you've got a potential buyer. You've now found out you're going to be a dad um, rather unexpectedly. Maybe it's time to cash in the chips, get the cash and look at the next steps. So we sold the business. I got a big lump sum and literally overnight, I sold my business, moved out my house, put a deposit down on a new property, moved from Manchester to the filed Coast where I live today. And um, just embarked on this next adventure as a family man, basically. Um you know, my partner, Becky, she's got two little boys from a past relationship. Um, so I just became a dad overnight, practically, which was very scary. But again, you know, you throw yourself into these things and, and do the best that you can. And uh, yeah, mate, that, that's been amazing. So I moved up to the filed Coast, which is obviously where I am now, and um, kind of at to get back to your question about purple bricks i was just sort of sat twiddling my thumbs thinking what next and then i just watched purple bricks from afar obviously seeing the growth and the noise they were making and i kind of went on this transition maybe like people do with exp in terms of thinking well i'm not sure about this i don't understand this it's probably overhyped maybe too good to be true but i just saw good agent after good agent after good agent after good agent join the business and i kind of came to a point where i thought well you know, there's got to be something in it. Clearly, I'm missing something. Let me just explore Purple Bricks and see if it's all it's cracked up to be. And then, uh, yeah, when I relocated up to the coast, that was when I initiated those conversations. I reached out to a lady that I knew that worked at Purple Bricks, and then um, spoke to the regional director. And uh, yeah, the, re- the rest is history. I obviously ended up joining.
1: And that's—it's just funny, isn't it? Because I remember, I remember seeing exactly the same thing and and it is that is what opened your eyes to these things is when you do start to see the quality of agent that at, at that moment in time I mean we're talking what 2017 2018 I think from memory um, and it was a really sort of exciting time for them then wasn't it I mean I used to um, I was in a state agency recruitment at that time and I remember trying to convince someone to leave purple bricks at that point it was a non-starter you know you stopped approaching anyone who worked there because they're all part of um, you know they're all good agents, they're all performing well, they're all earning good money, they're probably all working harder than they were used to, in fairness. I think they were, you know, definitely um definitely squeezing the hours out of you guys at the time. But I remember everybody just just absolutely loved it, loved being part of something, I think. It it, it was quite exciting. I mean what was it like there, you know, in in, in the early days?
0: Yeah, it was good, mate. I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, I always look back on Paper Bricks with, with very fond memories and, you know, we've said countless times, you know, I'm very grateful for what they did because they um, covered a lot of the education costs in terms of introducing to the mainstream agent that actually there is an alternate way of working. You don't have to work in an office. You don't have to be nine to five. You don't need to be on a basic salary. Um ironic given the structure they just just the, 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 the structural changes they just made but back then it was just kind of educating people that you know you can run quote-unquote your own business and then um, there's a different way of doing things so very grateful for it and that was obviously what really appealed to me at the time because as we've just discussed I'd run my own businesses for for quite a while and I was used to sort of running on my own steam and making decisions and doing things kind of my way so I just saw it is something that I had to explore something that's worth looking at something that sounds on the outside looking in like it's got some mileage and uh, yeah the experience was really good I built a great team I had a viewing assistant um called Anne-Marie who who was absolutely awesome she was the absolute backbone of what I was doing um Tom my regional director again really cool guy not too different in me and uh, from me in terms of age so we got to speak on a level And um, whenever I met anyone at events and do's and parties and things like that, everyone was very welcoming. So, yeah, I I had no kind of fundamental complaints about the people. Um, It was just for me what really didn't work for me. And again, I had to go through this process to educate myself because there's no way that I could have predicted this on the outside looking in had I have not have exposed myself to the opportunity. The thing that didn't work for me was that, A, I was so used to genuinely being a business owner, right? So obviously I've been on my own two feet doing things my way, literally nobody telling me what to do or putting limitations on me. Whereas when I went to Purple Bricks, I found that I was self-employed legally in that I had a limited company, but in reality I was absolutely anything but self-employed. So there was KPIs, there was targets, there was meetings that were compulsory. Um, You know, if they told me to pitch in a certain way, present in a certain way, then I had to do it that way. Clearly, I had to work to a premeditated fee framework because their whole USP was a fee-driven service. So I just kind of felt as though my wings were a little bit clipped, and I wasn't able to do things my way, and therefore maybe not turn up for the customer in the capacity that I wanted to, because all these rules and glass ceilings were being imposed on me. Yeah. And um, for me, that you know, forget the money side of it. Just as an entrepreneur, that's quite suffocating. Yeah. And um, f- for me, that 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 really. That, that really sucked the fun out of being a business owner. It just defeated the object. I wasn't able to be an entrepreneur. And for me, that's that's the funnest part about doing things your way is that you get to be creative, you get to explore, you get to make decisions, you get to stand by what you say and, and, and thrive off the benefits of that decision, or you get to stand by the things that you don't get quite right, but learn from that and get feedback and grow as a person. Whereas when someone's imposing a load of rules on you, you don't quite get that same experience. So it just didn't work for me. And then kind of when we look at, you know, the finances, which is obviously important as part of any business decision, um, my experience was that even when I was earning decent money and earning more money than what I could have earned elsewhere, I found that the hours that I had to put in and the hustle that I had to... um, commit to, to earn that money just wasn't commercially sustainable. You know, if I'd have put that same amount of hours into stacking shelves at the co-op for minimum wage, I honestly think I would have come out with more money and probably yeah. less stress Um. so yeah. when I looked when I looked at it on balance I thought well the money's decent but I, I'm literally trading my soul I'm working every hour God sends I'm answering calls and emails and whatsapps at 10 11 o'clock at night it was a very reactive business and um, as a result it exhausted me it swallowed me up and it didn't compensate me the way that I feel I should have been compensated for the effort yeah. and the time that I was putting into it
1: yeah Okay. No, I mean, I think that's fair enough. And I think it's, I also think something that people don't necessarily look at is what they're putting in for what they're getting out. You know, so there's a lot of people out there that are currently very well paid in estate agency and particularly back then at Purple Bricks. See, for me, I, I remember when, when the, um, the conversations changed, when the money started coming down a little bit, when agents started earning a bit less, that's when all of a sudden then you could headhunt someone out of Purple Bricks and phone them up and say, how's it going? Because, they they went from earning 70 grand a year doing 70 hours a week to earning 45 grand a year doing 70 hours a week and i think it was only at that point that people thought okay hang on a minute and then we're doing similar calculations to actually what you were doing but when you did it when you were earning good money right
0: yeah no no absolutely and and i had you know i was quite unique in some respects in that i'd been employed i'd been truly self-employed and then i ended up in this hybrid space so i had a real measure of comparison and i could see that this isn't what owning a business looks like. This isn't the yeah. experience. Whereas maybe if you don't know any better, you know, you don't know what you don't know, do you?
1: Well, and, and, and you might just have zero interest in that side of things. I mean, that's the difference. I mean, a, a, a good mate of mine who's very entrepreneurial says that, you know, it, he calls it flipping burgers. You know, it wouldn't matter how much money you gave him a year. If he had to sit in McDonald's and flip burgers, and this is not negative to anyone who works at McDonald's, but if you were specifically put on one station in that that line of the process and told your job is just to flip the burgers every 30 seconds but we'll give you 100 grand a year to do it there are there are people out there that go great do you know what i can just i can just switch off my mind i can enjoy thinking about other things i can you know just use my imagination all day and earn 100 grand a year and then there's other people that will say actually do you know what i'll take my chances doing my own thing that i might earn less but i could earn more but I, I need that element of sort of risk and living and dying by my own decisions. Yeah. Um. It for me, this is when it comes down. Sometimes I think business is all about money to me, and then I remind myself with that question that it isn't because you could pay me any amount of money to watch paint dry all day, and I wouldn't be able to do it because I still need that stimulation.
0: Well, mate, this is it's an interesting point, and not to go too much on a off on a tangent, but the way that I started to look at this, um maybe as recent as about 18 months, two years ago, was, you know, we, we think of business, we think of our careers and our jobs or whatever it is that we're doing. And, and clearly money's important, right? You know, we don't go to work for free. We don't do it for a laugh. We do it because we've got a need to make that money to fund the lifestyle that we want or to achieve our goals or, or to pay the bills to survive, whatever it is. Um, but that's only one element. So I almost look at it like a quadrant. So you've got wealth, but you've got, you know, health, wealth, love fulfillment there's more that goes into the picture of a happy life than just earning money and kind of at an end to your point you know if you was earning 100 grand a year flipping burgers you've got definitely the wealth side of it yeah but really for most people how fulfilled and happy are you going to be in doing that what purpose are you having on the world what impact are you creating what legacy are you building not not a great deal um most people would conclude you know, if you've got the purple brick scenario, you know, you're earning decent money, but you're working ridiculous hours. So where's the time to invest into your relationships to spend time with your family, your children, your loved ones. So whenever I make any decision on business, I'm looking at health, wealth, love and fulfillment. I'm I fulfilled yeah. and enjoying it. Am I making the right money? I've got enough time to invest into relationships. There's more to it than just the money. So, yeah, it's a good point that you made.
1: Yeah I think so and it's just an attitude change it's something you learn as you get older and you know as I say there probably was a time in my life where I've just swapped hours for money and as long as the money stacked up that was that but I guess you just mature and you start to start to prioritise a bit certainly as you get older mate I'm fast approaching 40 and the way you look at the way you look at life changes really quick once you realise that you're halfway through it, right? And that's just, you know, a genuine thing. So, um, yeah, I I couldn't agree more with how you put that, mate. Um, Look, I want to make sure that we cover EXP because I think your experience over the last two years is really interesting. But is is there anything that you want to sort of... anything you feel might be relevant or important before we do that? I just want to make sure that we get into some EXP chat.
0: No, not at all, mate. Not at all. I guess it's just... um... I don't know, kind of looking back and all that. And obviously you don't think about this every day, do you? You don't dissect your own CV and think back on your own experiences every two minutes. So it's interesting to have a conversation about these types of things. But I guess the one thing that I've learned looking back and you know, I've done things that have worked and, and things that haven't, I've made good money, like really good money, and I've also been skint. And just the one kind of conclusion that I've come to is that, and I've said this a million times before on the podcast as well. So it's no surprise to people who tune in you know to most of our episodes that you regret the chances that you don't take and failure is never final it's only final when you accept it and when you give up up until that point it's just pure and simply it's feedback it's feedback that you learn from it's feedback that you can build from because you'll make adjustments and changes and tweaks So next time you go about setting about that task, be that a business or anything else in life, you know, you come better equipped and better prepared for success and therefore more likely to succeed in it. So I think a lot of the time people, you know, and I could look back at decisions that I've made now and think, well, that didn't work. That wasn't very smart, but actually I wouldn't change a single thing because everything that I did taught me a lesson that allowed me to come back a bit stronger with the next business, the next project, the next task, whatever it is I was trying to achieve. And then, you know, the best lessons I learned on the front line, not from you know listening to other people's stories as much as podcasts are great and videos are great and it's good to upskill and educate yourself there's nothing like just backing yourself and building your own confidence and which is the one thing that I've learned I think everything that I've done over the last you know nine or ten years
1: Uh, yeah I like how you put that And, and and it again it's not that like you mate I'm open to growth I'd like to think I've got a fairly open mind I love listening to podcasts I love reading books but eventually you have to question why you're doing that you know if you're doing it to replace actually getting on with what you're learning and executing what you're learning then you then you're not doing it right if you're doing it in addition to okay i've read this book i've learned this skill i'm going to apply that tomorrow then it becomes a, a worthwhile tool doesn't it i think
0: yeah um, there's a, an old saying that i picked up my podcast a little while ago and it said uh, uh, education without action is just a distraction was the phrase so education's great but if you fail to implement that into the real world, then all you've done is wasted 15 hours a week reading books and listening to podcasts and watching videos that are not going to serve you in the real world. Um, yeah,
1: I've done that, mate. Honestly, I've lost, I've, lost, I've lost years to motivational YouTube videos when I've worked on my own. I've thought this one will get me going, this one will get me going. And there we go. So, um, I mean, look, so here you and I find ourselves, you're as, about as far northwest as, as I believe the country goes. <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm definitely as far southeast, almost literally, as our country goes. So we're we're at opposite ends of the country. Um, we had no relationship with one another two and a half years ago, um, but now we find ourselves partners in this um, EXP thing. Um, what, what was your first reaction, mate, when you saw EXP? Would you remember?
0: Probably a little bit like. Well, it was a a, a little bit of an education process, a small education process, because it didn't take me too long to pick up the phone and have a conversation. But I just, um, I had Adam on LinkedIn and I didn't know Adam before EXP, didn't know him from Adam. Um, And I just kind of saw a few little bits and pieces and I was like, all right, that sounds interesting. Oh, that sounds like it could be okay. And um, it was just like these little steps that kind of slowly made me think, is this something in this? Is it worth looking at? And uh, I just kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, what have I got to lose? I'm not exactly in a thriving position at the moment. I wasn't, you know, we're talking about that quadrant, health, wealth, love, and fulfillment. Didn't have any wealth or fulfillment because I was just, you know, in a minimum wage job, um, wasn't utilizing my skills, didn't see the future and where that was going. So again, I, I needed something. So maybe my um, my, my, my sort of, the action that I took to initiate the conversations around EXP. maybe it was driven certainly out of ambition, but maybe a tad of desperation as well, because yeah. I, I needed a plan. I needed to work out where things were going to go. And again, you know, I'd been in this situation before, as I mentioned, when I moved back from London, when I was a little bit lost at that point, only now I've got the added pressure of a mortgage. I've got a husky. I've got a partner that I love dearly. <laughs> um, and I've got three children to, to, to look after. So it was even more scarier and even more amplified than what it was a few years before. Um, so yeah, I jumped on the phone and spoke to Adam and, and kind of to answer your question, the first thing that I thought was, it's too good to be true. Like, where's the catch? Yeah, Sh- yeah. Show me the small print. Yeah,
1: mate, exactly the same as me. Yeah, exactly the same as
0: me. And I know no Brits have a bit of a tendency to be a bit um, sceptical anyway. You're probably at the upper end of that spectrum now Now, now that I know <laughs> you. So I can only imagine that you, was, you had that even amplified more than I did. But yeah, that, that was the first thing. Adam explained the model, you, you know, the way that we have in the past. And I just kind of thought, well, how, again, knowing how expensive it is to run an agency because of my last experiences, I'm just thinking, how are you going to give me all the structure? How are you going to give me the support? How are you going to give me this access? How are you going to give me this autonomy? How are you not going to give me targets? You know, all these things that I was kind of thinking, how, 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 how? And I still get such a generous split of the commission. It just didn't quite yeah. compute. But again, mate, I'm not saying that I fully understand it, stood it, or I was even fully completely sold when I jumped on board. Maybe half of me was kind of thinking, well, I'll work out the catch in three months' time. Um, and if it doesn't work out, if it is all hype and there's not any mileage in this, the worst thing I've lost is 150 quid a month for a few months and I've learned a lesson again and I'll go on to my next thing and that was kind of my mindset you know what have I got to lose when all said and done they're not asking me for a franchise fee I'm not investing five figures to get on board with this it's very lean I'm going to roll the dice and hope for the best and see where we go and then you know it's all well and good in hindsight but I'm glad that I did
1: so similar to i literally remember saying to adam like mate i said i'm just going to keep digging until i find the downside so we can either spend three hours on the phone over next week or you could just tell me what the catch is now um and you look back and it's just so funny like i'd love to have our first conversation recorded he must have put the phone down and thought who is this guy like (laughs) where was the positivity you know yeah 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 (laughs) yeah, Great, I love all the benefits. Great, but let's talk about the negatives. What's the exit? How do I get out of this thing if I need to? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Well, um,
0: ultimately, mate, the things I don't know about you, but the things that I wanted to know: uh, what are my financial commitments? What do I need to pay to get in? What's it going to cost me each month? What are the consequences if it doesn't work? If it doesn't work and I do want to leave, how much is it going to cost? How long is the contract? How long am I tied in for? And if I do leave, and I've worked really hard for X amount of months or years before, what happens to my database? What happens to my customers? What happens to my pipeline? The yeah. data that I've generated, and all of those concerns gave me the answer that I was hoping for. So again, yeah. it was just a bit of a no-brainer. As much I hate that phrase, no-brainer. So do
1: I, but I know. I, so do I, but it's the only time I use it. Yeah. Now when I when I talk about what we do, as ridiculous as that sounds, I hate that term too, but I can't find a better one.
0: Yeah, no, agreed, mate. Agreed. Um, and yeah, like I said, going back to that mindset of you you miss all the shots that you don't take, I thought, let's just crack on and see where we go. And um, thankfully, Adam didn't let me down. The, the model didn't let me down. And and clearly, I've gone on to I bring it back to these four quadrants, health, wealth, love, and fulfillment. You know, those cups have never been fuller than what they are today. And that's all thanks to, you know, what we've built with the XP over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, wicked. And, and I mean, I sort of said it earlier, but for all the years' experience, I'm not, and I'm not knocking my time in a state agency. I, I feel like I learned a hell of a lot in the first two or three years. I then feel like I've slightly improved year in year out for a few years, and then I plateaued. Yet now, I, I would almost say I feel like I've had ten years' worth of learning in the last two years. It's been so intense, like the conversations we have, the conversations you and I have, Adam and I, and and, and as you know, with agents literally around the world. So crash course isn't the word, really, in my view. But I'm just curious if, if you maybe see or value anything differently in a state agency now, rather than if you and I had a co- this same conversation two or three years ago.
0: For sure, I do, 100%. And um, the, the main thing being, and even taking me up until the point where I started with the XP, um I came in, you know, and Adam was you know, telling me about the model and the benefits to me as an agent, but he was also telling me about how the industry is ripe for change, how we're going to impact on more lives, how we're going to empower entrepreneurial experienced agents with the freedom and the autonomy and the resources to go ahead and change their lives forever. And my, my, my attitude was, sounds very nice, mate, but that's your mission, not mine and, yeah. and, and my, my mindset was very focused on I'm here to build my business in Blackpool to get my uh, brand built to sell more houses to provide for my family and improve my quality of life Adam was paid a salary as far as I was concerned to worry about everything else and didn't want anything to do with agent support wasn't interested in the slightest in collaboration um, wasn't interested in growth or the overall direction of the business as long as it was working for me in my selfish little bubble that was all I was really bothered about but you can't help but be drawn in to the bigger mission because you know again i'm i'm looking back now I, I think i'm an entrepreneur who happens to work in property i'm not just you know someone who wants to sell houses for the rest of their life and there's nothing wrong with that yeah. that that's just not me so Ultimately, it was kind of like um, I had no choice but to be drawn in to the overall movement of EXP because yeah. as things were going, as things were moving, as things were progressing, and we was expanding, and more agents were coming in, and they were having success. You know, no thanks to me because I was just very much focused on the Ben Moore show. But as this was as this was unfolding and as this was happening, you know, you can't help but learn people's stories. Oh, Joe was just joined. Joe was. I don't want to speak on his behalf, but in a very bad place, in in, in a, a very bad place actually in his professional life, and you know not in a great headspace. It's transformed his life. He's now you know earned thirty grand in the last two months. You know it's completely revolutionised his lifestyle and his outlook on life. And you're learning these stories just in organic conversation through a couple of WhatsApp messages or the odd phone call, and you can't not be inspired by those conversations. That, yeah, that's right. That really can't not put wind in your sails. And I think it was just, I don't know exactly when it happened, but there was definitely a transition where I was speaking to people and learning about other agents' stories and seeing the impacts that this model was having on their lives. And I started to kind of broaden my thinking and then sort of think, wow, this opportunity and this movement that we're on is much, much, much bigger than Benning Blackpool. This could completely transform the whole industry not just in the uk but but globally and that was when i started to get more attached to helping agents to helping them succeed to get them to start and scale and get into production and i started getting really fulfilled from that and i think again going back to my whole quadrant thing that's not the hundredth time i've mentioned it in 10 minutes but the whole quadrant thing you know a big piece of that is fulfillment and i started to get very very fulfilled and very motivated and very satisfied by seeing other people succeed yeah um, that that kind of takes us to where we are today, I guess. And and kind of the main reason why I'm more focused on growth and helping others than I am on, you know, selling four bed detached houses in Lytham.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I get, but I've read that before, you know, in autobiographies and things like that, when people talk, you know, you get these um, really wealthy, successful people that, you know, even if you talk about someone like Wim Hof, who isn't chasing wealth, but is chasing more the fulfillment side of it. That that uh, how much more energy you get once you've got that wind in your sail versus how much more energy you got. Like I can hand on heart say this year, although on LinkedIn I talk about finances, that's just to try and be transparent. I thought about money so less this year than probably I have done in my entire life. Yeah. And yeah. I know I know that's the same for you because we have private conversations. I, I'm sure there's skepticism when you hear that because it all sounds very convenient to be talking about you know the love of helping agents grow their businesses and you know isn't that a great thing to put out there publicly but i know that that's what you and i spend time talking about when we're you know on the phone last night at eight o'clock
0: yeah yeah um, yeah
1: so i know that what you're saying you you truly believe i also know and, and can say that i truly believe that that wasn't the case two years ago <laughs> you know <laughs> <because, laughs> rewinding two years ago i don't know if you even recall it but the first engagement you and i ever had was me messaging you saying oh hey ben I hear you've got like a, a canvassing letter that's working well. Is there any chance I, I can have a copy? And, and you'd be basically emailed back saying, not sure, I'm happy, not sure I'm happy to share a copy of the actual letter with you, but maybe we could squeeze in a chat sometime. <laughs> and, and, and half of me was like, oh, well, that's that. That's my relationship with that guy done and over, which is kind of ironic now. Um but the other half of me knew that deep down, the other way round, I'd have been irritated by the same message because I was in exactly the same headspace as you. I was using you to get something that I wanted, even though my attitude the other way around would have been exactly the same. Whereas, whereas now, yeah, my God, what a, what a mind shift over the last sort of twenty four months or so.
0: Mate, it's crazy, and that, that that's that's exactly what it is. It's a mindset shift in that you know say you and I because I can only speak for us because I know you really well and obviously I know my own experiences but I'm sure it's been the same for multiple other agents over the last couple of years that you come in very tunnel visioned you know very narrow-minded and very much on your and by the way there's nothing wrong with that because we are all here to build our own independent agencies but you you just can't help over time be educated and be inspired and, and open your mind up to the bigger picture of of what's going on, which obviously if you and I had that same conversation today, you know, if you just come into the network and ask for a template that I had as, as, as you've done in the past, I wouldn't be able to get it over to you quick enough because that's just, Oh, the that's the things. thing. I
1: wouldn't even, if, if I needed that for you now, I wouldn't even flower up the question bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I don't even need to go. Oh, hey Ben, wonder if you can do me a massive favour. I'd literally just message you, going, Ben, here you got letters working. You send
0: it <laughs> exactly. And you exactly. go,
1: yeah, there you go. Um, so but, there we but, go. Again, the i have read that, that conversation the, before.
0: But that that just in itself, mate, in isolation, shows development of character. It shows an evolution in our mindset. And you know, there's this thing that's almost used like a bit of a negative connotation. Like when people say, "Oh, you've changed." oh, you're not the person you was. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to embrace that. If it was the same person that I was two or five or 10 years ago, we'd have a real issue because that would mean that I've lived in a box and I've not broadened my thinking. I've not changed and developed where I think it's good. And hopefully in two, three years time, Scott, hopefully we're very different people for the better than what we are today. You know, this is what life is, right? It's a, it's a journey where you grow and you evolve and you change and, and hopefully improve and have more impact as a result of that. And, and that's what this is all about.
1: Uh, absolutely and and sort of final question really mate with with the future in mind and and this is a broad question um but where do you see this going for you over the next few years mate what's what does the future look like for you
0: well pure and simply mate I'm, i'm 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 quite focused now on literally helping as many people and as many agents as I possibly can. It's as simple as that. Um, We're doing a great job in the UK at the moment. You know, we're fast approaching 300 agents overall in total. Um, I'm always trying to think of ways to as I know you are, mate, to innovate, to create more content, to inspire more people, to help more people start, to help our existing agents scale and improve the mindset and overcome obstacles. And I really want that to grow and develop and, and, and continue to expand into the future. I think next year, just kind of looking sort of a short-term uh, sort of metric or milestone, I um, I think we should be close to about 500 agents, I reckon, by this time next year, next Christmas. Um, yeah. but, but but for me, it's beyond that. You know, I look at the bigger picture, again, looking outside of the UK now, and I see the territories that we've got earmarked to expand the business into, the current markets that we're at, some are more established uh, than others. And I just see such a global opportunity now to really transform the lives of entrepreneurs all over the planet, not just in Blackpool or Margate or even the UK. So for me, you know, we're confined only by the limitations of our own imagination. There is literally no glass ceiling. So for me, I'm just, I just want to continue to build, to improve, to innovate, and just help as many people as I possibly can improve their lives and their businesses and their finances and their free time for the better um, as it has for you and I over the last couple of years. So yeah, my my purpose is very much driven by helping others. And, you know, I'm sure ironically, the more self, less you try to be the more selfish it is because that is when you get happier you feel more fulfillment you feel like you're having an impact on the world and as a result you tend to get paid well for it but the money really now isn't important as long as i'm making enough to sustain my lifestyle and pay my bills i'm happy for me now it's all about seeing how far we can take this
1: yeah fantastic oh well mate i i i really enjoyed that um getting to know you a bit more on a slightly different level that isn't just, you know, a bit of banter and just purely talking about EXP. So, um, yeah, great job, Ben. And uh, I hope that uh, the listeners enjoyed it. Um, and maybe we'll have a, a part two in in a few years' time and uh, <laughs> see if the plan has gone as, as we hope it has. But, uh, yeah, fantastic, mate. I really enjoyed that.
0: Mate, appreciate it. I'll catch you soon.
1: Yep, see you soon, Ben.